Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 29, and we've got questions to answer. If you have a workplace, career, job search, type of question, leadership, HR, all that stuff, if you have a question for me to answer, send it to me, please, at support at humanworkplace.com. I answer a few questions every week. Uh, on the podcast and also on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I got some questions to answer right now. Dear Liz, my horrible ex-boss now seems to want to be friends. I assume only because she got laid off from the job where she was so awful to me. I don't want to be her friend. Do I have to accept her LinkedIn invitation? And if not, how do I reply? Okay, yeah. Horrible ex-boss wants to be friends. This is a common thing, you guys. Common. A lot of people run into this. They finally escape from a horrible boss by hook or by crook. And here in the United States, it can be scary to wage a job search while you're working because we have a disgusting uh, legal doctrine called employment at will that allows your employer here in the U.S., unless you have your own employment contract or you're part of a union, to just let you go for no reason, like job hunting, if they should find out you're job hunting. So it can be scary. People in other countries are shocked when they hear this. What? Just for deciding you want a new job, you can be terminated with no severance? Yeah, that's right. That's right. In the United States, they can just say, see ya pack your stuff and you're gone. So it's, 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 it's one of our worst problems that we need to fix in our country is the way working people are treated generally and then specifically this loathsome employment at will doctrine only adopted in the 1870s. It's not a forever thing, but it's when the robber barons, the big industrialists started to get really powerful after the civil war. And they just talked to their friends in Congress and said, Hey, we, we can't be having our employees subject to these employment contracts where we, we need to keep them around or pay them if we lay them off. We need to just be able to, to cut people and go. And it's still happening now in 2020 in the middle of coronavirus. You know, we just don't need you. We might need you again, but right now we're just not going to pay you. You're toast. You're gone. And there's no severance. And, you know, good luck getting unemployment compensation, which is a pittance. But, uh, yeah. So we're getting off the topic, but this makes job hunting especially arduous, burdensome for working people in the United States. And then to have the boss who drove you out the door come back like there's no issue a year later or six months or two years later and say, let's be friends. Like, no, uh, -uh, no, no, no. You did horrible things to me. You've never acknowledged what you did to me. You're not acknowledging any of that still, but you want to like be friends. You want me to help you in your job search. I'm not feeling that. So let's look at this issue. First of all, your horrible ex-boss was in a horrible situation under stress. That's why they reacted so badly. It was fear, our big, our big uh, omnipresent issue in the workplace, right? It was fear and workplaces have fear and they dealt with it very badly such that you were victimized. And, and so saying, you know, this is my horrible boss, who was horrible when I worked for her, even now being worse and coming out of that environment and not even owning up to anything and expecting me to just be like, sure, yeah, I'll help you with your job search is, is horrible. And yes, it is, but I want you to see the systemic nature of this stuff. I want you to see how much is baked in. They are a regular person who cannot handle fear. And hopefully you saw in them 
how they treated you in that job, how you would not do it as a boss, but we can never really predict how we would be in fear. And that, and that's what I'm teaching you guys. We all feel it. And it's in organizations because of this conception we have of work as a place where the boss is completely in charge of you, completely in charge of you. It's another thing. People in Europe and other parts of the world are shocked when they see like your one boss can just say you're fired and nobody, nobody pushes back. Nobody in HR, nobody in senior management says, Hey, maybe you're being hasty. Not, no, not really. Not all that much. No, they don't. That's wrong. That's broken. Should not be in our structure, but more so should not be in our mindset. Just I'm the boss and I own you and I decide. And this is a, a very broken thing about working in the United States. So your boss had the freedom to act on their fear and they did. And, um, that's shameful, but, and it is not your role to teach them what they did wrong or to help them. But I want you to see the, 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 the way this stuff is almost preordained because I'll tell you what about your fearful boss. They don't remember how awful they were. They blanked it out. We all do that. We blank out our worst behavior in fear because it's painful to remember. We don't want to reflect on it. We are not a reflective, uh, you know, society that, that emphasizes learning from our past stumbles, right? We don't talk about things that, that go wrong at work because who's going to say, Hey, you know, boss last month when it was budget crunch time, you were really losing it. Who's going to say that most people don't. And probably nobody has called out this boss on her horrible behavior. And she's not even as we speak right now, aware of it, right? I'm not excusing it. I'm saying, see the impetuses, the impeti, see the influences that got her to be that way. She is literally unaware that she ever mistreated you. She is not necessarily a snake. She's more like somebody who couldn't handle the pressure. Now, as a practical matter, you still don't have to be her friend. You don't have to help her with her job search. You don't have to connect to her on LinkedIn. You don't even have to respond to the invitation. She's no one to you now. And this is part of the learning and the power building that we're talking about on the Truth About Work podcast and at Human Workplace in general. She's anyone on the street. The fact that she was your boss does not mean you have any more obligation to respond to her LinkedIn invitation than you would to Joe Blow, anybody. It's just, it ghosted. Some people don't use LinkedIn. They never look at their inbox. Just forget about it. And if she reaches out to you another way, say on email, you can ghost that too. We are not responsible for responding to unsolicited requests. We all have a little bit of that toxic training. Oh, she was my boss. I owe her something. No, you don't. What? She's anyone, no one. It's just a, it's just a luck of the draw that she even was your boss. And, and, you know, it, it turned out to be pretty much of a negative experience for you. But if we want to get some positivity out of that, some good learning, A, you learn what you will never do if you should be a boss. B, you see how people crumble in fear and just completely lose their way and any ethical standards they might have had go out the window, particularly if they are a boss and they can get away with it and it's considered businesslike. Whatever she did that drove you out the door would be like, oh, that's prudent. That's, you know, good management technique. And also feeling your power now, like she has no more hold on you. She is no threat to you. Ghost her. If you just run into her at some point, you know, that'll be fine. You'll deal with that in a different way. Although you could do the same thing. You could certainly pass her on the street. You have no social 
or ethical obligation to ever talk to this lady again, but you may feel differently later. You may feel like, hey, we all go through stuff and we all behave abysmally, and maybe her pushing me out of that company was the best thing that could have happened to me. The big thing is don't make people villains in your movie. Don't make her bigger than she is. She's no one. She's a regular, frail human. Don't make her this evil, horrible monster or stepmother from the, you know, Sleeping Beauty or where, who had the evil stepmother? Snow White. Uh, don't make her a villain in your movie because she doesn't, she doesn't rate that. She's a, she's a footnote. She'll get one line in your screenplay if she even makes an appearance in it. You know what I mean? Let go of the residual fear that she could still do something to you if you diss her. No, she can't do anything. You know what I mean? People write to me all the time and say, oh, my boss is very powerful. No, they're not. No, they're not. People are personally powerful or they're not. And if you're in a situation and in an environment where somebody could hurt you because of their, their institutional power conferred on them by somebody else, that you literally have to get out of that system in order to step into your power. Person cannot generally hurt you. They cannot hurt you. So many stories of bosses even saying, oh, you'll never work in this town again. And I was like, it's toothless. It's not true. So let go of that fear. See the systemic nature of what happened with you and your ex-boss. And maybe there's a silver lining in it. And it was like, she will turn out to be a great guide and teacher over time because she got you out of that environment. All right, dear Liz, please run down for me your problems with performance reviews. I'm going in to talk to my boss about why I think we should abolish performance reviews in our company and I would love your support on this. Oh, heck yeah, of course. Performance reviews? Yeah, performance reviews are actively negative in an organization for anything that we might care about and or measure. They are negative for individual performance. If a person gets a stellar performance review and is told you're doing a fantastic job, they're gonna be happy, they're gonna feel good, they're gonna keep doing a fantastic job, but like I said a second ago, they were already doing a fantastic job. You're probably giving them support, acknowledgement, recognition that really helps them, and, and you're gonna keep doing that, but the gold star on their forehead is not really part of that, of that energetic flow. So they don't help the top performers, right? They don't help people who are struggling at the job or people who you as a boss might feel you need to or even your company forces you to give um, a, a less than stellar performance review to. They, we know that performance reviews do not help anybody do a better job because if you would motivate somebody through a negative performance review, what is that? That is fear. And fear is a short-term right spike motivator. It doesn't last. And in general, it destroys someone's self-esteem to be told you're not meeting my goals, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It doesn't help them. Here's the reason why not. You could help them. You could actually help them and coach them and say, it seems like you're having trouble here with this, Charlie. You know, let's figure it out. Let's look at it. What do you think? How can I help you over this hurdle? But it's the place where you grade them, where you give them an A, B, C, D, F, you know, that that does not help somebody get better and can cause them just to feel bad about themselves and of course about you and about the environment. The part of performance review that is so damaging is the grading part. Do the coaching, do the planning, of course. Do the co constant communication about things. We don't need to do post-mortem, let's look back at the whole year and see what you did well and what you did badly, right? You can go through a project a minute the project is over and say, let's see what we can learn from this. The whole, the whole thing we teach in every management 
uh, authority teaches is that risk-taking and learning is the only way we grow as an organization, as a team, as a person. So the idea of then at the end of the year saying you 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 did this badly. Oh, you mean I took a risk and, and it didn't work out? Oh, I, you, you have posters up literally in the conference rooms that say take risks. So I took a risk and it didn't work out and now I'm dinged in my performance review. Performance reviews are nonsense. So they don't work in terms of, or of individual performance. They do nothing. They take a tremendous amount of time. Employees feel badly served by performance reviews. Every time I do a poll, employees, uh, and I don't know who's taking, who's uh, completing the poll. It could be a mix. I assume it's a mix of employees and, and managers. Our followership is pretty diverse in terms of that. And, um, and, and it's overwhelming. Get rid of performance reviews, 80, 85%. It's, it's not a good mechanism anymore. They take a tremendous amount of time. They do not protect a company legally. Some people think, oh, well, I gave this person a mediocre performance review, so if they terminate them later, you know, we'll be little hold up in court. First of all, we already talked about employment at will. It's not necessary to have that documentation unless you have a problem around um, uh, prejudicial, right, discriminatory termination of people or disciplinary action, in which case, a mediocre performance review doesn't say anything. It doesn't say why this person was put on probation or why they were terminated. And I, as an expert witness in, in employment law matters, are going to, you know, destroy any argument that the performance review proves that this action was warranted because I'm going to say, is it, was it applied across the board? Did everybody who had a mediocre performance review also get put on probation or terminated? What was special about this case? Oh, yeah, the employee says that, you know, you've been biased against him or her or them for since they walked in the door or since whatever. So these arguments crumble. It's a tremendously time sucking, energy sucking process performance review. It's left over from the industrial revolution days. You guys, it's the, it's the pillar. It's the deepest pillar in this edifice of fear and control management. I will tell you once a year, I, the boss will tell you whether you suck or not, or how badly you suck. That How does that help? That is just fear in action. It is the gratification of the fearful. I get to tell you, and it counts in HR. It's official. It's very grown up. We get to, I, I put it on paper. Why don't companies question why an employee could have a mediocre performance review from one manager and then switch to another department and have a fantastic performance review. Obviously, it had to do with their relationships with those two managers or and or the level of fear in those two managers. It was never official. It was never uh, uh, um, uh, objective in the first place. And the, in the opposite, somebody has a great performance review. They change jobs or a new manager comes in, gives them a terrible performance review, that should obviously be suspect. But it's not typically because the manager will say, oh, I don't know, they just didn't, they, they didn't do what I needed them to do. Well, you're the manager, you're in charge. Big companies are getting rid of performance review processes. Thank God, it's absurd that they continue on. So dumb, so harmful to the culture. Uh, I would ask when you're interviewing for a job, tell me about your performance review process because it matters. Man, if, it, if, if, if you, like me, object to this stuff, it is going to be in your craw. It is going to bother you at the time of the performance review. <laughs> it's going to hurt. And it's, you know, you can suffer through it. I mean, I've heard so many disgusting performance review stories. Person called in 
to their boss's office. The boss has never done the performance review form yet. They never took two seconds to think about it. But now that Sally is sitting in the boss's office, the boss sits with Sally and says, all right, Sally, I'm doing your performance review. Let me get this form out here, pull it up. Okay, I'm going to give you a two for teamwork. I'm going to give you a one for this. It's like, well, it's a based on. No anecdotes, no stories, no no uh, rubric, no no measurement scale. It's just complete whimsy. It's unbelievable that companies still do this stuff. Luckily, they are growing up and evolving past it. They all should. Your company should. If your CEO uh, wants more information than just what I shared in this podcast, I've written so many articles about the trouble with performance reviews and performance reviews are pointless. Why do we still have them? I mean, just Google my name. And, the, and those terms, and you'll find my stories, it's um, really a travesty. It's just, it's just absurd that we're still stuck in these 19th century, 18th century ideas of how work should, should be. It's not, it's not a good thing. All right, let's see if we've got any more questions. We have no more questions, so just to wrap up episode 29, I published a book this week on Amazon. I mean, you can find it on Amazon. It is called Red-Blooded HR, you guys. Red-Blooded HR. It is about how to reinvent HR for people. This is my thing that I talk about all the time. So it's reinventing human resources as a force for good. I'm a human resources person. I believe passionately, strongly, HR can and should be a force for good in organizations and in the world. And if you're an HR person or you're interested in this stuff, CEO, manager, whatever, the book is out. It's called Red-Blooded HR. I was going for that like blood pumping in your veins because that's what I did and that's what I teach now. Let's make HR really vital and, and, and not just a, sort of a sop for poor managers and a, a hedge and, a, and something to hide behind. That's not fun for you as an HR person and it's terrible for the employees and the shareholders and the customers of your organization. So let's, let's uh, reinvent HR for people. Number two, um, we have a service and we're so happy that people are taking advantage of this. It's called Confidential Career Coaching by Email. And we designed this program because people have issues and problems. I answer questions here on the podcast and also on LinkedIn and Twitter and whatnot in videos, but I can't get into, you know, specifics of your thing and the history and, you know, your company and all that, but you can get that advice from us. We have that on our site confidential career coaching by email you lay out your situation we respond to it we meet we talk and confer in our team at human workplace and then write you a probably two-page coaching reply that says look it looks like this is the the big driver this is what you have to look out for here are the options here's what we recommend you do and so on costs us 199 dollars it's career coaching get you over an obstacle that's in your way and and back to racing down your path okay oh labor day labor day is monday and labor day is of course a holiday all about celebrating labor in our country in the united states that's a great thing but you know um a lot of people still have issues huge numbers of folks in the united states unfortunately unemployed right now because of the pandemic and the economic um, effects of that and then a lot of folks who are employed not sure what to do and not in a great place we are doing a big Labor Day um, uh, thing with our courses, our virtual courses, and introducing 2021 versions of the courses. Courses are on sale. We have a lot of free giveaways and stuff. So if you come to our site, 
humanworkplace.com. You're going to see all that. And if you have questions about any of that stuff, courses or what to do in your situation or what we recommend or what you should do with your resume or how you handle this situation, you can write to us to, um, to find out what we recommend for your specific situation. And that uh, email address, of course, is support at humanworkplace.com. Last thing, send me a video, you in the video, 30 seconds, ask me a question on camera and I'll answer it in, uh, in a video. That'll be cool. That'll be fun. So yeah. So thank you for listening and thanks for being part of our global human workplace community. Our mission is to reinvent work for people, get the human aspect into work through and through and to help people grow their flames.